Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Living Room Logic. Everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of Living Room Logic, your favourite science podcast. Of course, if you have another favourite, we will find you. Um, <laughs> so I'm here with Andrew and we're going to have a, a chat today about plastic and specifically about how much of plastic pollution and plastic waste we make um, and how it seems to always end up in the ocean. One way or another, that's just what happens. So Andrew's going to start us off with some Mm. information about how we make plastic and how much of it we make on land. And then I'll talk about how it gets into water. Yeah, plastics are really cool and they're really useful. We use them literally everywhere. Look around your room. There is Mm. plastic everywhere. And the positive side of plastic is that it is cheap. It is easy to build things with plastic. It is easy to build useful products with plastic. Mm. And since we have started pumping out plastic since the 1950s, we have gone through huge technical enhancements of getting complicated things to average people because it makes things more good cost ratio for benefits, right? Yeah. It, is, it makes these things approachable. Mm-hmm. Plastic's good in that point of view. The problem with plastics is that where there was this explosion of products and benefits to humanity and to the average person's quality of life, there was a massive explosion of people's quality of life and the plastics year on, year out. Mm. In 1950, we made 2 million tons of plastic. 1960, 8 million. 1970, 35 million. 1980, 70 million. 1990, 120 million. 2000, 213 million. 2010, 313 million. And 2020, 380 million. Wow. That's that's not like in the decade. That's in those years. Oh my God. That's like an annual rate. (laughs) Holy crap. So it's outrageous. So there has been a growth from 2 million to 380 million per year in the last 70 years. And this has been, (laughs) this has been a constant increase in all but three years, okay? So in all but three years, and thankfully to these people who caused these three years of decreases, because the first one was the 1970s Richard Nixon recession, and then there was the 1980s recession, which caused a dip, and the 2008 crash, which caused another drop in the production of plastics. Why? Because everyone was broke. However, you know, this reduced production of plastics probably also saved the climate some hassle, so good on them. (laughs) <laughs> the, <laughs> the the what's really really important like i was saying 2 million 8 million up to 380 million per year is that mm-hmm. this accumulates this accumulates and how we manage this plastic has only really started to improve since about 
2019-90 and to where we're currently at is still pretty crap. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's still really, really bad. When I was looking at it in the 2 million tonnes of plastic we made in 1950, 99.9% of it ended up in a landfill. Because at at that point, we weren't even keeping the plastics that we were using. We were using them for little things that would get discarded. Yeah. Now, over the 40 years since, there is a proportion of the plastics that are made that are constant and that are being used a lot and being used well. But it's also the minority and the vast, vast majority of plastics are not being used and they need to be managed. Mm -hmm. So in 2015, 55% of plastic waste was discarded or put into a landfill. 20% was recycled and 25% was incinerated. You're seeing there that 80% contributed to bad things. Yeah. Incinerating is better than a landfill because at least you're producing electricity, but it's also wrecking the climate. So, Mm. you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And that was 2015. Mm. So as much as things aren't being done enough right now, it was much worse in 2000 where 75% of plastics that were being produced then ended up in a landfill. Mm-hmm. And we've reduced that 20% and we're trying to use it more effectively. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you take all of this as accumulating, and we've accumulated something in and around 7 billion tons of plastic at this point, when you add it every year together, about 4.6 billion has been discarded in total. Wow. Billion. 4.6 billion has been discarded or put in a landfill. It really raises the question of where this is going. Mm-hmm. It's really raising the question of all of these things and of where this is coming from. And the by far the biggest production of plastic is in packaging, where packaging produces three times more plastic waste than any other area in industry. Oh Just God. packaging, yeah. wrap it, wrapping things up, moving things from A to B. It is the number one cause, three times worse than the next closest. And it's really important to note that this is not a balanced thing across the globe. This is a very first world problem and it is very much so first world economies that are bringing in plastics and discarding them. This isn't Mm -hmm. a poor country problem. This Mm -hmm. is a poor countries are not buying as many things. As I said before, this is very much so a if you're buying things with plastics wrapped on them and all of that, you're probably buying something to improve your quality of life. And nowhere is quality of life higher than in the first world. Yeah. But when you pull it all together, it means that there is a huge amount of waste in first world. And the way that we manage this waste in the first world has to be combated with significant means of getting in the way of it just being discarded of just being put in a landfill and we need to find better ways of recycling and reusing it because Mm -hmm. we can't just burn it all we have episodes last season on why we can't just do that and we can't just let it seep into landfills we can't let it just degrade into the ground because it has much wider global impacts Mm -hmm. such as (laughs) such as yeah one of the one of the kind of scariest or things that scientists in particular are most scared about is the amount of plastic that goes into the ocean. Our surface is 70% water and the, the volume of the earth in above, you know, the crust is pretty much water. The volume of that is is immense. 
And as Andrew said, the amount of plastic that we produce has risen crazily to, I think it's every year now, we pump 150 million tons of plastic into the ocean, um, which is a significant amount of yeah. what you said that we produce. That's um, crazy. So this is this is a, a major a major problem and and maybe a, a point i wanted to say as well you you said that it was a, a kind of a first world problem i would actually kind of add to that and say it's a first world and a developing nation problem uh, we've talked about this in our climate change uh, episode as well we talked about how developing nations have to get through a dirty industrial revolution of course and when you produce loads of carbon emissions you're also producing a load of plastic probably because it's by far the cheapest way to distribute your products you said via packaging and and as single use plastics which is kind of one of the biggest problems and I'll talk about that a bit more uh, later on but the source and the major source of all of this plastic is actually through rivers and it's kind of strange because most of the plastic pollution every year actually only comes out about 10 or 15 of the world's rivers. No way. So it's like there are clear sources that we could actually really focus all of our attention on. Holy sh- Now, mind really? you, one of them is, uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest the Amazon River in Brazil. Yeah. Of course, you know, yeah. how, how do you, it's it's so huge that you couldn't yeah. possibly just put a big huge net across it and, and stop all the plastic from going out. It's impossible. Yeah, um, fair. fair. But there are certain companies that are focusing their efforts on collecting plastic from those river sources. Yeah. Um, there's one called the Ocean Cleanup Project. And it's something that I would have studied a lot in college nearly you know, six, seven, eight years ago um, when they started out and, and their CEO was this really young guy. He was like 18 or 19. His name is Boyan Slat. And mm. he gave great TED Talks at the time and everyone thought of him kind of the way people think of Greta Thunberg now as like this, you know, young person who has a very old, wise soul and clearly knows that there's a problem that needs to be fixed. And, you know, um, love them or hate them they they know a lot about certain things um, and Boyan Slat was talking about going out to a specific place called the Great Pacific Garbage Patch which oh, is this massive area of the Pacific Ocean west of California um, I forget the size of it it is several million kilometers squared of uh, nice. plastic coverage um, and nice so Boyan Slat wanted to clean it up in 30 years or something that's he he kind of threw out this pretty ambitious goal of, of cleaning up the great great Pacific garbage patch and he made these autonomous machines that went out into the open Pacific waters and um, there were these two really long I think like half kilometre long arms on either side on the surface of the water and it would just passively kind of move its way through the the 
the garbage patch and wow. in in the middle there's this kind of conveyor belt system that slowly moves the garbage up into these receptacles that are then taken by boats and brought back to land um and dealt with more reasonably yeah um but they actually found that that these autonomous systems weren't moving fast enough and they actually were kind of a, a failure um in one sense uh, in that they didn't work really um so they actually just rebooted and and have updated their plan and they have been for years and now they're actually using these huge vessels um two boats on a boat on either side and now they're just literally trawling with surface nets and just taking all the garbage out with two boats and a huge net in the middle and they're just literally fishing out the great pacific garbage patch and based on their progress so far they'll get it done in like 10 years and and so you're talking like a significant portion of the plastic that's in the ocean but as we said before it really is the source that's the problem because meanwhile while they're doing that literally more plastic than what they're taking out is going in so there's a complete imbalance there we're inundated with the the amount that's going into the ocean so he came up with these devices called interceptors and they are very similar to that autonomous vehicle that i was talking about the central part of it that kind of it's like a conveyor belt it almost if you look at it it kind of looks like a fish's mouth and there's just conveyor belts in the middle and it's quite large like it maybe 10 20 meters long yeah and they just put this um kind of buoyant uh kind of you know those squidgies that you get in the swimming pool it's kind of (laughs) like one of those that goes across the entire river face um and the the because plastic is buoyant it floats the top hits that and then moves its way into this conveyor belt's mouth and then they have like you know employees um there's a bunch of large bins in the vessel that they the conveyor belts drop the garbage into the bins and they're taken away and either recycled or disposed of in the landfill so at least you're getting them out of the water and into a landfill those are in a few of those you know 15 worst perpetrators of plastic production in terms of people chucking the plastic in the water but still even with all of this action it's like a tidal wave and uh, there's this other project called team seas that just happened and it's actually two of the like biggest youtubers uh, mr beast is one of the biggest youtubers in the world yeah. and and he teamed up with uh, another youtuber called um, mark rober and no he's uh, he's a he's a science communicator and he used yeah. to work for NASA and he does like physics stuff. Um, I, I first saw this Team Seeds thing and I, I was thinking really positively of it because it's really cool. They want to take 30 million pounds in in uh, American freedom units um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of garbage and put it in and, and take it out of the sea. And that company that I was talking about before, the the Ocean Cleanup Project, that's one of their major charities that they're funding. Wow. And so they're funding them with thirty million dollars, and and it's a it's a donation scheme. So everyone online, you can give a dollar, or you can give a hundred dollars to get how many pounds of trash you want out of the ocean. Um, and and I I I was very positive about this, and then I realized how much is that? Um, first of all, I don't work in in those units i work in kilograms and tons Mm. and uh the amount of trash that they want to take out of the oceans in three years is equal to 0.01 percent 
of how much plastic that goes into the oceans every year. No. So, and and, oh, they, and I'm not trying to say that the the project is is yeah. I'm not trying to to shape it's the right shade direction on the project. Yeah. Um, I think the point here though is that they never say that in the whole scheme. They never say that there is this ridiculous production of plastic into being chucked into the ocean they're just being yeah. like everyone let's do something good and let's yeah. pick up a, a bag of trash from the ocean and put it in the bin and then that's your job done and you can go back to using your um single use coffee cups and your plastic straws and everything else Pro- yeah. probably what's worse is getting all your packages in yeah. in really heavy duty plastic and everything that's made ever <laughs> has plastic on it yeah. or in it really what people are are talking about in terms of the Team C's project in particular is we need to think about it from a much more systematic level. Mm-hmm. First of all, single-use plastics are probably the first thing that we can stop. And actually, a lot of first world nations are already miles ahead with this. Um, I, I, I actually find it difficult to find a plastic coffee cup um, yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. And I, and I think that's great. And and also a, pl- a plastic straw. I actually hate the plastic straws in McDonald's. Um, <laughs> I think they get too soggy too quick. But you know yeah. what? Or the paper I, straws. I, uh, the, sorry, the paper straws. But you know yeah. what? They they are so worth it. Yeah. Um, but but the the interesting thing here is actually that we need to go further than that, and we need to go further than Team C's. Mm. You give, yeah. give how much money you want to Mark Rober and Mr. Beast and these, these NGOs. I think it's a wonderful idea. But but go further and say to yourself, what else can I do? And and so definitely make sure you don't use single-use things. That's, yeah. that's, that's step number one. And that's actually the kind of easiest thing that we can do. But then we also need to think and this goes right back to the climate change discussion that me and Andrew several that me and Andrew have had that we need to give developing nations who are in the middle of their kind of dirty industrial revolutions right now we need to give them alternatives to making really really cheap really economically sensible decisions to make very cheap plastic and to put their products in those yeah, it's a no-brainer for them, and we totally—it makes perfect economic yeah, sense. For sure. So it's up to the world to make it uneconomical, or to make more yeah. so than making that plastic uneconomical, come up with another material that we can make just as economical or close to it. It's so close to what we were talking about in the climate change episode. Definitely, where- is, yeah. Yeah, when we were talking about how the Industrial Revolution is what is what made the first world the first world and made them rich, mm-hmm. and that how we, we are impeding developing nations when we tax the nonsense out of their, you know, their output, their industrial yep. uh, th- making, and that how we need as a globe to acknowledge that and support the, those developing mm-hmm. nations. But it's the same here. It's that the plastics in our life increase our quality of life significantly. And if we impose restrictions on plastics in developing nations, we need to support them accordingly. Yeah. Because it's also not reasonable to let their quality of life be any less than ours mm-hmm. just because we're ahead of them. Just and because Andrew, we're in a better it place. literally could be as simple as just giving them enough infrastructure to deal with 
the waste. Yeah. Yeah. It's because in, for instance, in India and in China, China, one of the rivers in China is the most heavily plastic polluted river in the world. And it produces 15, the Yangtze River produces 15% of all of the plastic that goes into the ocean. God. And it's like, it's, and it's only because the people, it's not like they're, they're bad people. They have physically no other choice. They either pile up all the garbage in their house and be so unhygienic that they probably will get a disease and die from that yeah. level of disorder or they put it in the river and it goes away yeah it's the only solution for them so we need to come up with ways to give people solutions for their plastic waste because waste will stay in the environment for thousands of years and when the plastics go into the environment especially in the ocean because yeah. of they, because they're buoyant, they stay on the surface and they actually get broken down by the sun's UV rays. But they just get into these smaller pieces and they become microscopic and they turn into this thing called, known as microplastics. Yeah. And if you look at... It's a very kind of popular research field right now because if you look anywhere in the world, you will find microplastics. Uh, one, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, she just did a study on deep sea fish and she found 2,000 metres down in the deepest, darkest parts of the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, fish have plastic in their stomach. That is nuts. So, and and so, so we actually don't really know the effects of this because there's a lot of papers that say that certain types of plastics can be carcinogenic in high yeah. volumes. But then others, there's absolutely no information on them. Yeah. And a lot of them seem to not have an actual real effect on the body. They just kind of exist. But every single person in the world, except for people that literally don't use plastic, will have some type of chemical that came derived from a plastic in their system. Yeah. And that's insane. Like <clears throat> appar apparently there's a um, PET... No, it's not PET. It's another type of plastic that I forget the name of. Um, but it is present in your urine because you drink from plastic bottles and you uh, you put your plastic uh, just, container it with, with chicken in it that's frozen. You put it in the microwave and some of that seeps into the chicken. Oh, my God. Um, so wow. there's kind of... We are so reliant on plastic. And yeah. I think the fact is that we just need to understand that it doesn't just go away and that you know first world countries were getting there but sure. it's not really up to it's it's not really just our problem to sort our own countries out we need to help developing nations that's almost equally if not more important than sorting our own stuff out because if we don't do that everything we do in our own countries much like climate change and carbon emissions will not really be for anything um so we can do both we can yeah. do everything that we can do you you know use reusable things and use biodegradable things there's some amazing biodegradable products that are coming out now that you can use for everything and they're actually starting to be used in 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 all sorts of ways of life and especially in packaging so it's really kind of it's really the future is bright for that and also knowing that we have these ways of stopping waste from going into 
out into sea, the sea from river sources, yeah, these things are very promising. And there are ways to clean up the ocean from all the stuff that we've already put in there. Because we're doing it right now. Boy and Slat, that young kid, he's actually, he's out there doing it. There is a means to approach this. It's yeah. just about pushing it, like always. It's like making awareness of this. And in reality, it is about voting for people who are aware of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it's... Much it, like the, with cli- the climate crisis, yeah, it yeah. is definitely something that you can bring forward to your government representatives. Yeah. Say, hey, what do you think about plastic? Do you think that we yeah. have a problem in our country? So, and, and when they say no, point at this podcast and be like, well, Aiden said. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden and really... all his microplastic friends. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's complicated. Like all things related to waste and climate and everything like that. It's it's cli- it's complicated, but again, it's so much better to be informed. It's so much better to be informed than sometimes willfully but pleasantly ignorant to all of it. <laughs> like I spent most of my life before being part of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, buddy. Me too. Yeah. All right. That was a good one. And I hope everyone enjoyed it i hope everyone's a little bit more informed so cheers aiden for carrying that one through (laughs) this is the end of the podcast we hope you enjoyed your time if you're feeling generous and you're not completely skinned why don't you give us some of your money join our patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Join our Patreon Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 